Episode 2, My LBs Are Weighing Me Down. Hey everybody, welcome to episode number two of the John Becker Show. I'm John and I'm excited to be with you today. I'm excited to talk to you about today's topic. My LBs are weighing me down. Now when you read that, you probably read it as my pounds are weighing me down. And we're going to talk about that. I can't wait to get to that because the title has a twist to it. The LBs we're going to be talking about aren't what you think. Well, they kind of are, but not exactly. And I'll explain what I mean in a few minutes. This is going to be a lot of fun, so thanks for tuning in. The quote of the week comes to us from Henry Ford. Now, I know you all know that name. What you might not realize is that Henry Ford was one of the biggest failures in the automobile industry in the early 1900s. He created something called the quadricycle, and it was a failed precursor to the automobile. Of course, he went on to found the Ford Motor Company. He created the Model T Ford, and now the Ford Motor Company is one of the most successful auto companies in the world. Ford said this, If you think you can do something, or you think you can't, you're right. Now, Ford's quote is all about mindset. It's how we think about what we want to accomplish that makes all the difference in the world, and it's mindset that I want to talk to you about today. So again, the title of today's show is, My LBs Are Weighing Me Down. Now, according to the Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation, which was founded by Bill Gates in 2007, nearly 75% of American men and more than 60% of American women are obese or overweight. Now, for those of you who don't know me personally, I've been part of that 75% of American men ever since I turned 18 and was officially a man. I've been overweight my entire life, and I was bullied throughout elementary, middle, and high school. The favorite nickname given to me by some of my high school tormentors was Beached Whale, and I'm sure there are a few of my old high school friends out there right now who got a smile on their face when I said that. I got teased a lot, and I was often accused of weighing more than 300 pounds. Now, I didn't weigh more than 300 pounds. In fact, when I graduated from high school, I weighed about 280. But when I got married at 22, my weight began to balloon, as it does for so many people after they got married. So I want to tell you a little bit about my own personal weight loss story. After I got married and my uh, wife and I started having kids, the weight started coming on and I wasn't exercising. I had become a teacher and so I was sitting at a desk a lot. And eventually I gained about 80 pounds after I graduated from high school. I went from 280 to, well, more than 350 pounds. Now for those of you younger listeners out there, Back in the days before we had digital scales, there was a scale that you would step on and it had these two weights at the top and you would slide them to the left or the right to try and balance out and it would tell you how much you weighed. And that scale only went up to a maximum of 350 pounds. So in one of the most humiliating events in my life, I stepped on the scale at the doctor's office and the nurse pushed the bars all the way over to the right, all the way over to 350 pounds, and the scale did not move. I was humiliated. The nurse kind of looked at me, and then she looked down at the chart, and then she looked at the scale, and then she didn't dare look back at me, and she just said, I'm just going to write 350 plus. 
So ladies and gentlemen, the reality is I don't know what my maximum weight was that I ever weighed. I only know that it was over 350 pounds. I've kind of ascribed the number 360 as my starting weight from when I weighed the most. So I started at 360 pounds at my heaviest. And then one day, my wife and I had this beautiful little baby girl named Rachel. She was our last child, child number eight. Yes, you heard that correctly. My wife and I have eight kids. And when Rachel was born, and I was weighing 350 plus pounds, call it 360, I looked at this beautiful little red-haired, blue-eyed baby girl, and I thought to myself, I'm not going to live long enough to see her grow up and get married. I'll probably die of a heart attack or a stroke or something like that. Well, in that moment, I decided that I needed to lose weight. (laughs) Of course, I knew it all my life, but I decided to do something about it. And so I looked at the doctor's charts that uh, give you the ideal weight that you're supposed to weigh. And for my height, which is about six foot three, and for my bone structure, which is large boned, all of those doctor's uh, measures and tables said that I should weigh about 225 pounds. Well, being the math person that I am, I was able to easily subtract 360 minus 225 and come up with 135 pounds. I needed to lose 135 pounds. And I don't mind telling you, and I'm not ashamed to admit it, I broke down in tears. Because setting your mind on losing 135 pounds is a daunting task. But I decided I'm not going to think of it as I need to lose 135 pounds. I'm going to think of it as I just want to get under 300 pounds. That was what all the high school kids had tormented me with, telling me I was over 300 pounds. And I knew that if I could get under 300 pounds, I would have accomplished a major goal. So I set out to do that. It was still 60 pounds or so. It was a long way to go, but I decided to tackle that, and I did. And I worked on it, and I worked on it, and it took a while. took a couple years, actually, because I wasn't working on it as hard as I should. But I'll never forget the day that I stepped on the scale. And by this time, we had digital scales. And I stepped on the scale, and it said 299.4. I was ecstatic. I was still way over what I needed to be, but I was under 300 pounds. And I told my wife, and I told my kids, and we celebrated. Well, we celebrated, you know, with, yay, Dad, way to go, honey. We did not get out the cake and ice cream because that was going to send me back the other direction. But when I got under 300 pounds, I vowed that I was never going to go back above 300 pounds. So my next weight goal on my way to 225 was to get down to 280. And the reason I wanted to get down to 280 is because that's what I weighed when I graduated from high school. That was the weight that was still on my driver's license even after I had ballooned to 360. I never changed the weight, so it still said 280. And I wanted to get down to 280 pounds. And so I began attacking that. It was much easier than getting below 300 because instead of 60 pounds, I only had to lose almost 20. And I worked on it and I worked on it and I worked on it. And two weeks before my high school reunion, I got down below 280 pounds. I celebrated again. You need to celebrate when you accomplish these milestones along the way toward your goal. And I celebrated this time by going to my high school reunion. I walked into that high school reunion and there were people who didn't recognize me because they had seen me at the previous reunion when I weighed well over 300 pounds. There were friends who were coming up to me and going, John, you look great. What are you doing? How have you managed to lose this weight? And I just felt like a million bucks. So I 
got to 280 and I thought to myself, okay, the next goal is going to be 260. I want to get down to 260 pounds. The reason 260 was significant to me is because I started out at what in my mind was 360 pounds. So I knew that when I got down to 260 pounds, I would have lost 100 pounds. Talk about being a big loser. I've been accused of that many times in my life, but this is one time when I don't mind. So I wanted to get down to 260 pounds. I accomplished that about a month ago. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, about a month ago, I got down to 260 pounds. I officially crossed the 100-pound weight loss barrier, and I was ecstatic. My next goal was not yet 225. It was 250. And the reason I wanted to get down to 250, and some of you will know this if you follow my Facebook feed, is that at 250 pounds, I am going to be able to cross something off my bucket list that I never imagined I'd be able to do. I am going to be able to go skydiving. Now, I have wanted to go skydiving since I was a kid. And the minimum weight for skydiving is 250 pounds. They will not waive that requirement because they're going to hook me up to another guy and we're going to jump out together in tandem for my first skydiving jump. And so 250 pounds is a hard weight limit. They will not be flexible on it. So I have to get below 250 pounds. Well, on the date that I'm recording this, which is August 1st, 2019, I stepped on the scale today and it said 249.8. I am two-tenths of a pound under 250 and I am ecstatic. I have not told anybody this yet. I haven't even had a chance to tell my wife, but I am under 250 pounds as of August 1st. I have already set the date when I'm going skydiving on October 5th and believe me, I will share that story with you. Now, for those of you who don't know, I have eight kids, six of whom are adults. And of those six adult kids, five of them have agreed to go skydiving with me. My 16-year-old is kind of upset because the other limit on skydiving is age. You have to be at least 18. Even with parental consent, they can't jump at 16. So she's very disappointed. But I promised her that for her 16th birthday in two years, we will take her skydiving. Anyway, so ladies and gentlemen, I am officially announcing right now that I am under 250 pounds. I am ecstatic. I have set a date of October 5th when I am going to jump out of an airplane. Why anybody would jump out of a perfectly good airplane is beyond me, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it with my kids. I'm going to do it with some friends. My wife even thought about it, but she decided against it, which is fine. And now I'm only 25 pounds from my goal. 25 pounds from that goal I set back when I weighed 360 pounds. I've now lost 110 pounds. I have 25 more pounds to go. Now, who knows? Maybe I'll get down to 227, 226, and I'll think, you know what? I think I need to go a little further than 225. But when I hit 225, I'm going to celebrate because that is a goal. And if I decide I want to get down to 210, then I'll celebrate that. I am just going to keep attacking these goals and I'm going to accomplish them. And the reason I'm going to do that is because I am fighting through my LBs, not my pounds, but my limiting beliefs. And that's what I want to talk to you about today are limiting beliefs. So what are limiting beliefs? Limiting beliefs are beliefs we have that somehow keep us from um, doing something that we want to do. Could be something we don't want to do as well, I guess. But when we hold these limiting beliefs, we don't think or do or say the things that they prevent. 
Now, as I said, they could be good. So for example, if I have a limiting belief that I cannot jump off the roof of my house and fly around the neighborhood, that's probably a good thing because I can't do that. I know I can't do that. I believe that I can't do that. But when I weighed 360 pounds, I did not believe that I would ever be able to go skydiving. I did not believe that I would one day lose over 100 pounds. I'm not there yet. I did not believe I could get down to 225. I do now. Now that I'm at 249.8 and I've lost 110 pounds, thinking of losing 24.8 more pounds is a piece of cake to me. (laughs) Not literally. I haven't eaten cake in years. But anyway, most of the time, the limiting beliefs that we have are going to be indicated by phrases and words that we say, things like, I don't, or I can't, or I'm not. When you hear yourself thinking or saying those things, what you're doing is you're authoring a limiting belief in your mind. Sometimes the limiting beliefs that we have aren't just in our own minds, they're about other people. Sometimes we have limiting beliefs about people, uh, for example, that we meet someone and we think, oh, I don't think they like me. They don't seem too friendly toward me. Maybe I've done something to offend them. Or I could never do what they do. I could never sing as well as they do, or I could never paint as well as they do, or I could never throw a football as well as they do. We're authoring limiting beliefs and we're putting them on other people. So why do we create these limiting beliefs? I've got a few reasons that I want to share with you that I think would be valid explanations for them. The first one is experience. Sometimes we experience something bad and we don't want to experience it again. We believe that if we put ourselves in a similar situation, we will experience that same bad effect. Uh, For example, when my wife and I got married, we went to Disney World on our honeymoon. And I wasn't afraid to fly. I'd flown a few times. But when we were flying back from Florida, the plane was sitting on the runway and we were getting ready to taxi. And as the pilot revved up the engines, there was a loud thunk in one of the engines right outside our window. We were sitting right on the wing. It made this really loud thunk. It sounded like something broke. And I thought to myself, okay, he's going to turn around and he's going to take us back to the terminal and we're probably going to have to get another plane. But that's not what happened. Instead, the pilot pushed the throttle forward and we began taxiing down the runway. And I was terrified I was sure that the engine was going to fall off and my wife and I, my wife of one week and I, were going to be killed in a horrible plane crash. I gripped her knee probably for the entire flight back to Chicago. I don't know if she had bruises on her leg or not, but I was terrified and I did not want to get on another plane as long as I lived. Several years later, I flew to San Diego shortly after 9-11 for a business conference. And for some reason, I had it in my head that this plane was going to crash. I was terrified to fly because of what had happened when I went on that flight on our honeymoon. In fact, I was so terrified that I'm kind of embarrassed to admit, but I actually wrote out a will and I wrote a letter to each of my children to let them know that their dad loved them because I was convinced that I wasn't coming home. I had a limiting belief that 
Anytime I got in an airplane, something bad was going to happen. And what was interesting is that on my flight back from San Diego, I read a book called If You Want to Walk on Water, You Need to Get Out of the Boat. It's a spiritual book by John Ortberg, and it's all about faith. And while reading that book on the way back from San Diego, the fear of flying was magically taken away from me. That limiting belief that something bad was going to happen anytime I got in an airplane was taken away from me. And in the years since then, I've gone to China and back three times. And a couple of years ago, my wife and I went to England, and I have never been afraid to fly again. But because of that one experience, I created, I authored this limiting belief that something bad was going to happen when we got on the airplane. Another thing that we sometimes allow to be a limiting belief in our life is when a teacher or someone in some kind of authority over us places a limiting belief on us. When I was in first grade, I used to sit and cry when we had to do these math times table tests because I was so stressed out that I didn't think I could get them done. An elementary school psychologist diagnosed me to my parents as being learning disabled in math and told my parents that I would probably never rise above a sixth grade math education. Well, for those of you who don't know, I am a college math instructor, and I have taught calculus on many occasions. I do not have trouble with my times tables, but this individual put a limiting belief on me that my parents were affected by. Another reason why we use faulty logic and create these limiting beliefs in our mind is that we want to excuse ourselves from what we think are our own failures. In a great example, Thomas Edison had over 10,000 failed light bulb experiments before he finally hit on the right bulb and filament to create the incandescent light bulb. But his attitude wasn't, oh, this is never going to work, I'm never going to find the right combination. Instead, he said, I haven't failed 10,000 times, I've just found 10,000 ways that don't work. When we do something that doesn't work, we like to explain it away by forming and using these beliefs that justify our actions and kind of take away our blame. But when we do that, we don't learn. We might paint ourselves into a corner by limiting ourselves in what we think and what we might do in the future. We also are afraid that we may be harmed or we might somehow harm other people, and so we avoid doing whatever those limiting beliefs are. We avoid pushing through them. So I want to ask you today, what limiting beliefs are keeping you from achieving goals that you would set for yourself? Maybe there's more than one. Maybe you've got a whole slew of them. Maybe you have created so many limiting beliefs in your mind that you don't think you can push through any of them. So just think of one. Find one belief that you have about yourself or the way you view the world or the way that you view other people. Just pick one and think about what can you do to push past that limiting belief today? 110 pounds ago, I never, ever would have imagined that I would one day lose 135 pounds. But now that I'm only 25 pounds away, not only do I believe it's going to happen, I know it's going to happen. And I'm celebrating every step along the way. Determine what those limiting beliefs are that you have. And then set a goal for how you're going to push past it. And as you push past those limiting beliefs, set some milestones along the way that you can celebrate. Celebrate 
like I did when I dropped below 300 pounds, and then 280, and then 260, and now below 250. Celebrate those things. And once you've accomplished and what you set out to do and you've pushed past those limiting beliefs, pick another one and do the same thing. Remember, folks, those LBs that are weighing you down, those aren't pounds. Those are limiting beliefs, and you can lose them just by pushing past them and changing your mindset. Okay, that brings episode number two to a close. I want to remind everybody about the Free the Dream Conference in Franklin, Tennessee on September 13th, 14th, and 15th. Cliff Ravenscraft is a friend and a mentor, and he's one of the most encouraging people I've ever met. It was he who pushed me through the limiting beliefs that got me to finally launch this podcast. So if something is holding you back from accomplishing your dreams, you need to get to this conference. I already have my ticket, and I would love to see you there. In fact, I'm going to make an offer for you right now. If any of my listeners register for the conference and tell Cliff that I recommended for you to attend, I'll buy you lunch on Saturday afternoon. I don't care if there's 20, 30, 40 people or more. We'll find a great place to eat at the factory in Franklin, Tennessee, and your Saturday lunch will be on me. Let's fill a couple of tables with listeners and friends of the podcast, and I'll put a link to the Free the Dream Conference website in the show notes. Remember, if you've got questions, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. Head over to our website at johnrbecker.com and post your question. Let us know what we can do to support you on your journey toward success. And again, if you want show notes or need to contact me, you can find it all over at johnrbecker.com. All right, my friends, we'll catch you next time. Stay awesome. Stay awesome.